Okay, if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we are in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. That's all the way back. If you, if you hit Psalms, you've gone too far. But uh, the wisest man to live ever, given by God, right? We introduced this last week, and his statement was, everything is this word called hevel, which is vapor, smoke, absurd. Meaningless, some translations say. And he let off of these truths, you know, that, okay, it's okay to say, right? A little discouraging. His whole thing was, we have no impact. The sun, the rain, everything keeps going. We're never satisfied. Always want the next thing. And then, just to top it all off, we're not remembered. Give it enough time and no one remembers you. This is a wonderful Mother's Day message. <laughs> oh, no. Sort of at the end of the day, life is frustratingly absurd. That's what he starts with. And as we start this remarkable book that I'm excited that we go through, and it's, it's not, I mean, hey, is that the message? We're done. Can we? No, there's more. I, my prayer is that we wouldn't be discouraged, that you wouldn't find this discouraging. Because it's easy to make it so. You think this wise man was just a pessimist, <laughs> vanity meaningless so let's make clear as we start the bible this word of god is not saying like a nihilist somehow curl up in the corner throw up your hands just be done wait for death or heaven or whatever this man the wisest man is pushing you and me right, to consider to evaluate rightly what we're doing, our goals, our life, right? That, that, that's what we want to see. That's what he says even in the end of chapter 1 as he goes. He says there in verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. I'm looking, he says, I'm, I'm seeing. It is an unhappy business God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Yeah, there's a lot of difficulty as I look around, right? I mean, that's just common experience. He's using his wisdom and his eyes. I've seen everything that's done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity. That's oh, absurd. I can't, I can't grasp it. It's smoke. And a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. And he says, hey, there's, there's, there's crooked things. I can't make them all straight. I want to fix everything. You know, I'm, I, I, I resonate. I'm a fixer. If I see something, but it was really fun yesterday. I mowed my lawn. I fixed it. It was too long. And now the mowing machine goes, oh, it looks fun. I want to get it right. He says, you can't. There's, there's too many things. The wrongs can't be made straight. Yeah, but maybe we can identify them. These dead ends. He said in his heart, he says, I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who are over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and of knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive this is also but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So he's talking, 
this wise man about the time you and I have under the sun on this earth and why do we spend it like we do? Striving, aiming, investing, pursuing, you know, the things we do with intentionality. He wants to explore skillful living around what we strive for. Yeah, and I I think that's really good. So sort of especially in light of the question of meaning and accomplishment and value and identity, he's doing it as the wisest man who's ever lived. I mean, just think if you had some time with this guy, say, you're the wisest man ever. Will you give me the nuggets of your your learning, the, the depth of it? What do you shoot for? Because one of the answers is, and it's the answer we want, if you aim at the right thing, you'll get there. Don't you think? You know, I have some ammunition. I have some a little time in my life. This is my life, and it's only so long, and it's going fast. But, 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 but so I got. What should I shoot at? What should I aim at? So the idea becomes: us, if you maximize your life with achievement and wisdom and work, that's the good. And so there's dead ends to look at today that he wants to make sure you've heard, that you know. Three dead ends to consider. Those three I just said. Achievement, wisdom, and work. Good things. You say, well, he didn't have Jesus, right? So if you just to do it for Jesus. No, no, he's talking about our common experience looking at this system, and then he wants to pull you out of the system to get meaning, and, and we'll look at that at the end. So here we are. The idea is we're faced with this. If we act in certain ways, won't God respond with certain results? That's the idea we're trying, all of us are trying to do, right? I mean, that's why we think somebody has the gift of prayer. They've prayed and something happens. Oh, look, there's something going on there. God responds that way. Let's go over there and do it. That's wisdom. Let's look at these dead ends. Here's the first one. I'm calling it pleasure, but we're going to see what he means by pleasure. Chapter 2. I said in my heart, This is going to be his personal observation experience of the wisest man ever. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this was also vanity. Absurd. I said of laughter, it is mad. Of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart's still guiding me with wisdom. And how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. So so a lot of people take this, okay, what he did was he he said, oh, just have pleasure. He's kind of being pretty specific. You know, you have things that make you happy. Why? He said, I'll go and check it out. He says, I'll go pleasure and and, and what, what, what... pleases you and and then so it says i even with wine right says maybe if i loosen up a little and i but 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 i'm not getting drunk i know the drunkenness is folly i know it's madness to go around numbed and 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 doing things that aren't helpful i'm not talking about that he says i want to see the core of why you do it why we seek after things that are pleasing to the palate or pleasing to the eye or pleasing like, like have you thought about why Do we go after these things? Why do we like a fine meal? 
So I'm trying to distill that down and then be wise with it. So to see how, to, how you should live uh, under the sun. Pleasure's not bad, right? I mean, yeah, we, the psalmist says, at God's right hand is what? Pleasure forevermore. So, so he's not saying, oh, pleasure's bad and you want to you know, go and live your life on a little platform and whip, your, whip yourself. No, that's silly, folly. But, but, but could you, could you, could you aim the desire for pleasure at the right things and therefore have meaning and value in your life? What are the right things? What made him feel like, hey, I, I, I did something. It's not wine. It's accomplishment. And it is for all of us. But here's the king. This is what he says. Look what he says. I made great works. He's talking about pleasure. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them, all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who'd been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, men and women, many concubines, delight of the sons of man. What is he talking about? Pleasure. Well, uh, no, 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 that's not pleasure, is it? No, making things for yourself, like building things up and, hey, this might be fun. I'm going to gather, I'm going to do, I'm going I'm to have multiple things I can, I, I can have said this. Look, I've done it. This is a king. It's sort of an immortal deeds king's list, all the accomplishments, right, that will last. I have fruit trees, and after I'm dead, the fruit's still going. I built the temple. He starts there. The palaces, the parks, the pools that water the forest, the fascination. And I get fascinated by this stuff. Because I don't have it. I'm not Solomon, neither are you. He's so much above you in what he had. Solomon, think about it for a minute. He got to build the house of God. He had more stuff than you could ever imagine. It's amazing. So the pleasure you get from stuff now, he says it, it wears out, right? I, he said it didn't last. He's saying it's, it's not valuable. And you can tell myself, hey, Swanson, talk to yourself. I mean... I'm, I'm working hard to get ahead so that I, I have a retirement or something. I'm on this pathway. No, we're not necessarily talking about the wisdom of saving right now. We're talking about doing something for pleasure. Building. I want to build. It gives me a sense of value. It gives me a sense of joy. It gives me a sense of wonder. I, I, I have a project and it gets finished. So he said, right, so I became great. I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. This was my reward for all my toil. You see what's going on? He's not saying, I just went into debauchery. Oh, no, 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 no. He's doing pleasure like it's actually what we do. 
why I say I've had a good year. Hey, look, my family's doing well. I've been building and working, and it's come to fruition. I have things that are actually good, and, 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 and he's made accomplishments. Right? I've studied. I've become wise. I've finished my degree. What's that? That's pleasure. That you would finish that. Because you've worked at something, and finally it happens, and you're like, yeah, this is, this is great. So, so that's what he's saying. The reward for my toil is, is the pleasure of it, and isn't there value in that? This is going to guide what you do. See, I, I, I did my university studies for four years because I knew at the end of it I'd be done and I'd be finished, and oh, all that toil, I'd have a reward for my labor, and I'm happy about it. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was absurd. Vanity, meaningless, a striving after wind. There's nothing to be gained under the sun. So again, this is his testimony of his life. He said there's nothing gained. There's, there's nothing left. More and more and climb and climb and enjoy and maximizing the experience, the list of awesomeness. And he's saying, well, what use is it? The pleasure of accomplishment, that's really this thing. He says there isn't any intrinsic value in getting to be the best and accomplishing more. The pleasure of, of, of just doing the thing, I suppose, is the reward. But I want more. I want my life to have meaning. And the Bible, this man, just says there's no other prize from the God of the universe. This is the first dead end almost everyone falls into. The pleasure in accomplishing something with your life. Now, you know, I did this for God. I attained this. I was great. Life was in pursuit of accomplishment, and, and, and I did it. You, you, you go back and look yourself. I made, I made, I made, I gathered, I did, I did. It's all a list of the things he did. I expect that to get something for me. And he says, actually, it really doesn't. And this is wrong to my way of wisdom. Because I've got a mindset of, hey, God lays things out and I'm trying to follow it. And when I follow it, I should get certain results. And I'm not getting the results, even in my own heart, having pleasure. Dead end. Pleasure. Not sort of this hedonistic, momentary joy of sin. No, no, he's talking the pleasure of accomplishment. And therefore, he catches a lot of us. Okay, that's one. Here's two. The dead end of wisdom. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can, can the man do who comes after the king? <laughs> like so, so, you see what he's saying? I hope you do. He's kind of saying, hey, not everyone can accomplish everything, but we can learn from the people that came before us. We can have wisdom. We can do skillful living based on the things that they had. And that would have value for us if we could learn and be skillful in our life. Man, that guy lives well. Only what's already been done is all you can do, he says. So then I saw there's more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there's more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. So stop there for a minute. I mean, the wisest man, surely he's going to find value in what he's really good at, right? And so he considers wisdom, madness, and folly because you can only make so many things. But you can learn always. You can put all the Proverbs into practice. That's called skillful living, wisdom. 
You can find meaning, value in, in how you excellently live your life. Look, I've been a moral, upright man and I've lived by the precepts that I've been given. He says there's, there's doing that and we already know he doesn't think very well of that if you look back to chapter 1, verse 13. But here, there's some value, right? I love the image. There's more gain. The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool is walking in darkness. <laughs> you avoid some pits. You avoid some traps if you're wise. What's your goal? I want it was like, oh man, I want to achieve. Here it's like, oh, I want to be wise. A life well lived, that's my goal. And he says it is absurd. Why? It sounds reasonable to me. Well, here's his problem. I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. It gets me nowhere. That's what he's saying, right? Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool happens to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? I said in my heart, this is absurd. For the wise, as of the fool, there's no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. I'm inviting you into this perspective because it's not naturally my perspective at all. And maybe it's not yours either. What, what I normally think of as what, what life is, is that it's a reasonable um, cause and effect kind of thing. If I do enough good things, life will go well for me. And generally, if I keep the rules and I, I do what's right and I'm, I, I work hard at it, it'll go well for me. I have to be invited in to the wisdom of this man. What's his wisdom again? That's absurd, says the wisest man. Now, if he was only half wise and mostly fool, maybe he would say, no, this is great. Be wise like me. But he's the wisest man ever. And so now he goes to the depth and says, you, this is foolish. And, and if you're like me, I say, what do you mean? Come on, it is better to be wise than to be a fool. I see somebody who's a fool getting drunk over there, and they're, they're going to reap the whirlwind in that, man. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be better. Don't you agree with me? You know who doesn't agree with me? Solomon. Why? Because, he says at the end of the day, both me, the wisest man, I'm, I'm not, I'm saying from his perspective, it's all, and the fool, both do what? Die. He's talking about effort and what you pursue, right? This is, this is my, I, I, the reason why I avoid and I'm using drunkenness as an example of folly because it's foolish. Why I avoid drunkenness is that it's, it is foolish, and I think my life will go better if I don't. I, I think it's God's law, too. I don't want to sin against God. I want, I want Him. I want to follow the rules that I know because that's wisdom. I think, why? Because why? things will go better for me. I work and I work to attain my goal, putting meaning in, in, in sort of these things. And, and, and then his idea is, I, I don't get what I've been promised. I should live longer. I should live more fully. 
Because that would make sense. God's in charge, you know. You, you know, he, he's a God fear. God's in charge. And if God's in charge, why do these things not line up? That's why he says in verse 17, he hated life. Pleasure didn't work. Wisdom didn't work. After expending so much time and so much energy and so much money trying to rescue himself from a meaningless existence, uh, self-salvation projects, right? Uh, hated life. It didn't work. There's no good news there. All of this is just true to him. If life under the sun is all that there is, let me quote C.S. Lewis here for a minute. Most people, if they've really learned to look into their own hearts, maybe that's you guys, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be found in this world. There are all sorts of things in the world that offer you meaning and purpose and satisfaction, but they never quite keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love, when we first think of some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us, longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. I'm not now speaking of what would ordinarily be called unsuccessful marriages or holidays or learned careers. I'm speaking of the best possible ones. There was something we had grasped at, that first moment of longing, which just seems to fade away in the reality. I'm not a very wise man. This is me now, not C.S. Lewis. I, a lot of times, am very satisfied with the things of the world. But that's because I don't think about it. I almost numb myself. I almost put up walls. And I, I wonder how many of us do. So we don't actually think about what's going on underneath. That we're all dying. That your life goes like that. And I'm happy with, oh, hey, I mowed the lawn today. I accomplished something. And if you come back next week, you will not be able to tell. But I was happy to do it. So I, I think people know what... what C.S. Lewis means what Solomon means. In C.S. Lewis, idea, you know, your spouse might be a good spouse. The hotels and the scenery that you travel to might be excellent. Uh, chemistry might be a very interesting job. Something, though, evades us. There's just an unsettledness. We want to call it depression. We want to call it sadness. We want to call it like, but, but, there's, but there's in everybody, to lesser and greater disease, d degrees we understand it, that there's, there's this peace, isn't there, of, of just unsettledness with this world and how it goes. And what I try and do, and some of us are better than others, we kind of do self-rescue projects. You know, if, if, if under the sun is all there is and sort of finding joy and finding satisfaction, it's up to you. The burden's on your shoulders. You've got to go out and get it. You, you have to find happiness and joy and contentment. It's, it's kind of law. It's, man, you should be happy. So, he says, this man, the enjoyment of achievement is, is trying to hug smoke. Doesn't last. The, the 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 reality here that he's going after of wisdom of sort of attaining skillful living. He's saying it's absurd. There's one more. How about just work? That's a good thing from the garden, right? God gave man work. People work. It's got to be good. So he says there in chapter 2 verse 18 I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun 
seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. All that you and I labor for, all that you work towards, you have no idea what comes after with that stuff. You're working for what exactly? That's the question, right? So so I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all my toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This is absurd and a great evil, he says. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart doesn't rest. This is absurd. Look, here's a picture of why the system isn't right. This this system that we're under. The person who comes after you. The person might not work at all. They might be a fool, but they get all you worked for. He says, there's no value in that. There's no record of my great and vast achievement. No ultimate meaning if the next person just gets it all. And and this is what he's getting at, right? Not that, oh, it's so bad that inheritance happens. No, it's that you don't know if the person even really deserves it. In fact, they're, 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 ugh. See, see, what it does, you say, well, Dax, wait a minute. They'll remember you, but he's already established that they forget you. At least several generations down. You don't know if they'll keep it. You don't know anything. So it's just work for work's sake. I mean, okay. Really, what I get mad about is something like this. Here, let me give an illustration. So, so tomorrow morning, I have a boss. My boss says, okay, I see, I see, wonderful employee, the missed soccer games of your family the 80-hour the work weeks that you put in, the, the, you've accomplished so much. So now, now, we're giving you a corner office. Oh, your labor has not been in vain. And we're going to give it to you. And, 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 and so tomorrow, come on in. We'll move you up. You're going into upper management, and you're there. And then that night, the guy has a life-ending heart attack. Because that's how life goes. What? That's, that's horrible. I, well, uh, it might happen, but you know, I, I, that doesn't scare me really because we don't really face death. We kind of we, we put death aside. We say, well, well, he, he, he did do what was important to him. What about the things he missed? But what really scares us more is something like this, is, is, is that the boss does that with your coworker. The coworker you hate. So death, right, and, and, and this insignificance, it's like all your stuff goes to somebody. Maybe you would hate them. Maybe they don't deserve it. Maybe they're frittering it away, all the labor and effort and, and work and commitment and sacrifice, and then, and then it just gets... You, you don't think that's wrong? And here's the thing, here's the thing, because this is where we go. We go even... Even as Christians, 
The world says to you and me, get your significance, get your worth and value by achieving. And Solomon says, this is a great vanity and a great evil. Did I skip a piece? Where is it? What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart, which he toils beneath the sun, all his days are full of sorrow. His work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This is, this is vanity. And this do harder, try harder, it leads to nowhere. And this pleasure and accomplishment and wisdom and work, they don't get results. And at the end of the day, I'm after results. And this is where I say, even as Christians, Because you might think the answer to all of this. Dax, you presented this great thing about under the sun. And it's without God. And I'd say, no, it's not. Solomon knows God. God gave him the wisdom. And we say, well, but Christians, right? You might think the answer is, well, I live for Jesus. I accomplish for God. I get wisdom for God. I work for God. You're missing the point. Well, what point? We refuse to look at reality. That's the point. That's the message of this wisest of men. Because God is in all of this. This is Solomon's perspective. Don't, don't miss it. God is in all of this. What's this? He chooses not to reward the ones who accomplish. Who seek wisdom who work hard. And you say, well, he will in heaven. Then my question for you is, how do you know? Well, because God will follow my rules. You fool. If God right now, this is, this is, he's looking out. He's looking at the world. He's looking at what you do. He's looking at all the stuff you've done. And he looks and says, okay, this is how God acts. People who are really wisdom and seek after wisdom, they don't get the fruit of their wisdom. People who work really hard and they don't get the fruit of their labor over time. It's not, it's not eternally helpful for you. And then all of a sudden we say, yes, but it will be in heaven. You're buying the same system and just saying you're in charge. You've got to at least hear the guy. There's a word for that. It's a more of a medical word. It's called projection. Who will deliver us? Says Paul Zoll. He identifies this problem. He says, if I can do enough of the right things, I will establish my worth. Identity is the sum of my achievements. Hence, if I can satisfy the boss, meet the needs of my spouse and children, still do justice to my inner aspirations, then I will have proven my worth. There are infinite ways to prove our worth along these lines. The basic equation is this. I am what I do. It's a religious position in life because it tries to answer in practical terms the question, who am I? And what is my niche in the universe? On this reading, or according to this rule, my niche is in proportion to my deeds. In Christian theology, such a position is called justification by works. It assumes my worth is measured by my performance. Conversely, it conceals, they think, uh, thinly, uh, he thinks, a, a dark and ghastly fear. If I do not perform... I will be judged unworthy to myself. I will cease to exist. You, you, you see, that's the system. The system is there has to be a reward for the things I do. I'm going to my value in my achievements, in my wisdom, in my striving for it, in my labor at all. God will reward me or not if I've done it poorly. 
That whole system is called justification by works. Look at how Solomon ends here. There's nothing better than, than for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Toil's not evil. Work is not bad. It's good for you to enjoy it, right? This I also saw is from the hand of God, who for apart from him, who can eat? Or who can have enjoyment? For, for to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he's given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity. Striving after the wind. What? No, this is theology. It's not absurd, is it? Why? Why, why is why is it absurd to Solomon that this happens? That God, to the ones that have his favor, he, he gives, and the people that don't have his favor, they're working, and he's going to give the people that he likes those things. Do you think God works that way? Is it absurd? Here's why it's absurd to Solomon. He doesn't and can't figure out who God favors. No, really, we're almost done. I'm sorry, it's been a long time. You've been hearing me babble up here. I, I get it. The guy's like hugely, deeply pushing at you and me. But but don't miss the, uh, where he's trying to land. And don't miss where the, the, the theology goes, the life goes. The wisest man ever says, look at your whole card. Look at your ace in the hole. You say, why are you living? And, and, and the reality is most of us want this system of the world that says, I am what I do. I will achieve, I will strive for wisdom, I will toil, and, and God will see it, and he will give me the just reward. If not here, then in heaven. And this Solomon says, he doesn't work that way. It seems to me that just whoever he favors, get it, and, and I can't tell who he favors because some of them are fools. Th that's it. Who can tell who God will favor, says Solomon. You know what? This, this is important. I know. So do you. I know what Solomon could never know. All this stuff we went through is to get you to get the point of saying, this is absurd. Not meaningless, like there's no meaning. The whole book has meaning. Sentences have meaning. There's meaning in the words that he writes. It's not that it's, there's no meaning, like it's a babble. No, 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 there's meaning. Meaningless is the wrong idea. The idea is, 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 I can't figure it out. I can't grab it. It's smoke until the New Testament comes along and God declares by preaching to you that he has sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins and forgive you of everything forever. Okay, I'll stop yelling. But it's just because I'm excited. And, we're, and, we're, and I just, this is so huge, you guys. I know who God favors. It's favor. It's found in Jesus. Regardless of your labor, if God favors you, if, 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 if God, then people that are working and laboring, their stuff's going to be given to you. That's what he says. Why does he say that? Because it really, at the end of the day, is only about who God favors. If you could know with all your heart that the God of the universe favors you, aren't you set? That's the good news, right? Who you are has nothing to do with you. 
<laughs> you really are doesn't depend on your behavior, good or bad. Sure, let's respond well. Sure, let's live in response to this great news that favor has come from God. The light has come, says Zechariah. Oh, Mary bearing Jesus Christ is like, I am so favored because Jesus, the Savior, has come and he's come for you and me. And he just promises an identity and a place and, and everything for us, not based on our like achievement, based on a reality that breaks the system. The system that this guy says, man, there's something going on because I can't figure it out. Wisdom should work. Labor should produce. These things should happen that there's a hierarchy. And you know what? All of us still are like, yeah, what I want to do is put God and just continue on my hierarchy. And God will be my energy source to make me better. And it's like, no, 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 that's not it at all. It's God has declared he adores you. And that adoration means you are his forever. This system's going to break. It's going to look This wisest man is not wrong. It will look your whole life like things are not working out like they ought to, but we have something. What do we have? It's not a dream of heaven. It's the solid words of Jesus. When he says, oh, kids, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He has given you himself. And this is what we stand on. This is who we are. Oh, not in your achievement. Not going to get very far. Not in your wisdom. Not going to last. Not in your labor. Amazing. In Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, um, thanks for the truth of this book. Father, I, I struggle at how pessimistic I see it as Lord I confess to you it is difficult for me to let go of my system based on me Father I confess that it's difficult for me to think that my labor and my wisdom and my achievement is not what keeps you happy with me Lord and I confess that for this little body Lord, we stand on the promise of your Son. We're thankful for the wonder of your Spirit. We're so amazed that you choose to set your amazing grace on us, Lord. Please help us as we respond to that with sometimes even unbelief, Lord, that you would cause us to grow in our dependence and knowledge that you are for us every moment. Help us, Lord, when our eyes are lying to us that it's not true when this world is pulling us away, that you would help us to stand on the rock that is Jesus. It's in his name we pray.